All right, if you guys want to turn to John 14, uh, I didn't realize it until I was making the list for uh, the computer that uh, a lot of my verses actually this morning came from the book of John, so you won't have far if you're thumbing through um, during service today. But with everything that's going around, going on around us, it's easy to get worked up. It's easy to realize how much the world's falling apart, how much the enemy is trying to affect our dear loved ones. You know, Kem even reminded me this morning that the Bible says governments will come and go. So getting worked up about what's going on in Washington does absolutely no good. Yes, we can pray for things until things are actually settled, but it's important to keep a calmness about everything going on. And God's made a way for us to avoid anxiousness. He's made a way for us to avoid uh, being worried, for being calm, and for keeping peace in this time. And that's something that other people will actually start to notice as well. So in John 14, starting at verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. So our main focus this morning is actually going to be on verse 27, where it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this one verse, what you may realize is that it's actually Jesus pronouncing a true blessing on us. If you've paid attention to the stories of the Old Testament, you'll see where people, as they get up there in age, and they're getting cl- close to leaving this mortal life here on earth, they will pronounce blessings on their offspring. You might remember the story of Jacob and Esau, where Isaac was at the point where he had trouble seeing, and it came time that Isaac realized that it was time for him to pronounce blessings on his sons. Esau was the older son, and he would be the one to receive the primary blessing. He would receive the better blessing of the two. But with that meant that he would be responsible for the care of the entire family. He would be responsible for the care of his brother and his brother's family. But Esau, he didn't want that. Esau didn't want to have the responsibilities that went along with being the older brother. Esau despises it so much that he even sold his birthright to Jacob for just a meal. But the thing with blessings 
is that it doesn't matter what you decide. It's what God decides when the time comes to it. And so families would almost fight over these blessings. And you can read it for yourself in Genesis 27 where Esau and Jacob, Jacob actually through a bit of deception went ahead and disguised himself as his brother to receive that better blessing, to receive that blessing that Jacob or that uh, Isaac was giving to them. And that blessing, it was that Isaac was blessing them with the ability to enlarge and be able to provide more for the family, but also that he would be able to lead that entire family. It was something that was really looked forward to. It was an official statement that was taken seriously. Now, what I may have just described is what many of you may actually already have yourselves. A will, a living testament. So you have a way that you are saying what you want done as you pass away. That was basically what that blessing was. So one of the other examples that really hits home on this blessing that's given as you're about to pass away from the earth is when Jacob, on his deathbed, pronounces blessings on one of his favorite sons, Joseph. See, Joseph had two sons at that time. And Jacob loved Joseph so much that he was actually bringing Joseph's sons into the distribution of all the other things that he was given out to the entire family. So he gave blessings to Manasseh and Ephraim. And of course, Joseph and all of his other brothers as well. If you're reading it for yourself, that's in Genesis 48. So the blessings weren't just for the person that they were being pronounced to. They were also for the generations to follow them. So now that we've got a better understanding of this blessing that Jesus was giving here, and the concept that it's actually the will as they're about to leave the earth, let's look at John 14, 27 again. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So here Jesus is telling us to think of the inheritance as, not to think of the inheritance as the world thinks of it. Not to think of it as physical things. Not to think of it as something that you're going to just have as the world has. So more money isn't what's going to give us peace. A large house on 40 acres ain't going to give us peace. The good, stable job isn't even going to be what's going to give you peace. Much like Christmas that we just celebrated, the presents that you may have received from your loved ones isn't what's going to give you peace. 
The gifts of the world are just temporary. The packages that we unwrapped probably brought a temporary smile. But Jesus has given us something. And that's eternal. What he's given us isn't going to wear out. There's no expiration date on the peace that Jesus is going to give us or that he has given us. See, he's giving us his very nature. He is giving us his peace. In John 16.33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, in me you may have peace. Apart from God, we won't have that peace. I don't say the phrase in him. It's important to realize anytime that it says in him that that's a promise that we have. In Christ, we will have peace. It's knowing that it's a part of our inheritance, that we're grafted into Jesus, that we're joined with Jesus into his family and everything that comes with being a part of his family. And we've sang about it this morning even. We have the ability to overcome whatever it is that's trying to take that peace from us. Even when we start to feel there's just too much to go through, when we start feeling frustrated or downhearted, we can get peace even through it all. Jesus fully warned us that it wasn't going to be peaches and cream. That it wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't going to be that people didn't mock us or hurt us. That we were going to be going through some tribulation. If you've been saved for more than a week, you realize that being a Christian is not easy. Because the first thing that the enemy tries to do is attack and try to get us distracted off of Jesus. See, the enemy wants you to see the giants and tremble. He wants you to see the giants and lose confidence of who we are and where we stand. Jesus said it here, to be good of, be of good cheer, because he has overcome the world. So if we're in him, we can have peace, even when everything's looking bleak. We can see him, his overcoming the world, not just for when he returns at the second coming. He overcame the world so we can live victoriously now. So we can be different when the world is focused on the bad things. We can be a calming voice. We can be a non-anxious presence. We can be that salt and light to the world. See, when we have peace, people can see our reaction and realize that we have something different. It can open doors 
to where they wonder, what is it that's different? They might marvel for a while and see how you respond and just observe. And eventually, it may lead the door or lead to an open door to being able to share the gospel with them. And they'll be ripe for hearing it. Oftentimes, peace is something we under-recognize that Jesus came for. Sure, we focus on salvation that Jesus came for. We think of healings a lot of times that Jesus came for. But Jesus came for so much more. One of those is peace. Let's think for a minute here at the resurrection. In John 20, in verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Again, peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for just a minute. What do you think they were thinking about between the death and the resurrection? I'm sure they were thinking about quite a bit. They were probably beating themselves up a little bit. They had to be wondering, going, did we really just leave everything and follow this man for three years and now he's dead? They probably were wondering. They probably were questioning. But Jesus responded. He came and told them, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I send you. Jesus greeted the disciples twice here with, Peace to you. So now, peace to you was actually a common greeting in that time frame. But Jesus, there was no account of him saying that as a greeting, until after the resurrection. Because he truly did leave his peace to them after the resurrection. One of the names that it was prophesied by Isaiah that Jesus would be called is Prince of Peace. And Jesus fulfilled that with the peace that he had and the peace that he left us. It's not just a phrase, it's part of his very nature. See, Jesus is talking about peace twice here, and then it's seemingly out of nowhere in Scripture, it says in verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now here is one of the great revelations that you're going to have about receiving the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is directly connected with us having peace. Being led of the Spirit is always going to have peace with it. 
one of the fruit of the Spirit, even, is peace. Peace can very well be a litmus test for us when we make the decision. We can, every, we can run every decision we make through the Holy Spirit. If we have peace about the decision, that is a decision to make. If you have a check in the Spirit, press in. Because God is faithful to give you an answer that you will have peace about. So don't always feel like you have to be in control. Remember, God uses body ministry. He uses each other. He has us use each other. He has us realize that we don't always have the full answer. But as a body as a whole, we do. He may give the answer to someone else, and then when you hear that, it's confirmed in your heart, and you have complete peace about that decision that you were just making. I've had this happen before, actually. I went into something not knowing what the answer was. But as we talked, God started showing me something, and then somebody said the exact same thing that I was just already getting told. And I had a complete peace about that answer. Even though I, trust me, you guys know me, I'm a planner. I like to think things through, analyze it, figure out how it's going to work. And it wasn't happening. But what God was showing me, and then it being confirmed, I had a complete peace about it because Holy Spirit was the one who was giving me that answer at that time. Yeah, Even just the last two weeks, with how everything has been going, um, if you guys listened to last week's sermon or watched it on YouTube, you guys saw it too. I struggled with the decision But then once I decided, I had a complete peace about it. Weighed so many things. But once the decision was made and I had a peace about it, I knew it was a decision that that God was having us do. So again, that peace, you realize how much Jesus gives you peace. So this is also why Paul in Colossians, in Colossians 3.15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. Now that was out of the New King James Version, but I like the way the Amplified Version says it better, actually. It says, Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you are called as members in one body of believers. Again, since it's not on the screen. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you are called as members in one body of believers. So let the peace of Christ be the controlling factor of our hearts. It's easy to get worked up and try to make quick decisions. 
But when we make decisions and we know we have peace about the decision that we make, it flows out of us. And it's so much easier to have faith that you made the right decision. See, this peace is a great thing that was promised to us. I've said it before. A promise is only as good as the person making it. Jesus is faithful to keep his promises. That includes leaving us his peace. Back to John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Worth pointing out here in this verse is when Jesus tells us not to let our heart be troubled nor afraid. See, with his peace, our hearts are comforted. With his peace, we won't become anxious in our hearts. Paul puts it in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, Philippians 4, 6, we so often quote Philippians 4, 6 without looking at Philippians 4, 7. So Philippians 4, 6, how do you become avoid being anxious? You pray about it, taking it before God. So how does that remove the anxiousness? Well, that part is found in verse 7. When we take it to God in prayer, He is faithful to give us peace in His response because the Spirit in us comes into agreement with God. This peace of God surpasses all understanding because in the natural, we should be panicking. We should be feeling anxious. We should be worked up. This is part of the miracle that God did in us when we were saved. A great transformation from how we were before He changed us to how we were after He changed us. Things that used to get us worked up seemingly have no effect on us now. Things that we used to do as far as actions to get rid of our frustration, the way we lose our, the desire to do so, so is truly a miracle. Many of you don't really want to know me before I was saved. Because if I was holding a tr- grudge, I knew how to press your buttons. I knew how to get you worked up, and I knew how to just keep digging in there. But God did a transformation shortly after I was saved. And looking back, I see that he can't, or that he really did give me his peace through that all. I thank God that my wife gives me a lot of grace. Because sometimes my calmness can be obnoxious, actually. (laughs) See, it could be that you're turning the water on an outside spigot, and all of a sudden water starts bubbling up out of the ground. That happened to us last summer. So even with digging a six-foot hole by hand because somebody had a bright idea 
to bury a propane line in the same trench you ran your water line, you don't want to dig it with a backhoe. And we're on clay, so it was a lot of fun. But even with that, God gave me a peace. I stayed calm through the whole thing. It didn't take nearly as long as I thought it might. Our water wasn't off for more than a few hours. Sometimes the calmness can come off as not caring. But a lot of times it's that God's given me a peace about it to where I'm just not going to get worked up. Knowing that it's going to be okay. And that precious peace surpasses all understanding. It goes past the natural. It gives us strength and it encourages us. And it comforts us. Paul said it well that the peace will guard our hearts and minds through Christ. And that echoes Jesus' words where he said not to let our hearts be troubled or afraid. And it's all because of that peace that Jesus gave us. So Jesus' death and resurrections, the only thing that could give us this peace. The blood of Christ is what brought us into his presence. We just went through the book of Ephesians last year, but Ephesians 2, verse, starting in verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle the wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Folks, we can't lose sight that at one point we were far off. That God has drawn us to himself and grafted us into his family. He came so that we could have peace. Not so that nothing would be wrong but that while we're going through things, we receive his peace. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not really feeling too peaceful a lot of times, that I desire more of this peace, that you need some encouragement to getting back that peace that you once had. Here's a couple of items that will really help get things lined back up. First one is focus on God. The enemy knows how to get into our heads and distract us. One of the key tactics that he uses is getting our focus off of what God is doing and off of God himself and and get it focused on to whatever the problem is. Focusing on God 
puts our eyes on the only one who's going to give us the solution. The other thing that's going to really help is to trust God. See, God's faithfulness is bigger than anything we can imagine. It's, but it's up to us to put our trust into him. If we don't fully put our trust in him, we're still trying to keep control of it. You can't go, okay, I'll give you all this, but not this. you got to fully trust God. Because once you learn to fully trust God, you'll have peace over whatever the circumstances are. So allow God to reveal himself in all circumstances. God's promises become even more personal when we recognize his love for us, when we run to him and allow him to work his peace in us. He loved us enough to bring us clear into his family and receive the inheritance that he has that only he could give us. We can let the peace of God rule in our hearts today. Shall we pray? Well, Father, we thank you for your peace. Lord, we thank you for that wonderful gift that you were given us with peace, God. We thank you that that peace is eternal, that you came, Lord, that you are eternal yourself. Jesus, we thank you for the wonderful sacrifice you made on the cross. We thank you for for bringing us into your family, for making a way for it all. Holy Spirit, we praise you for being right there with us. We praise you for, for guiding us. We praise you for giving us that calmness, that peace in our spirit. Oh, we thank you. Help us realize uh, that peace through every uh, interaction we have, through every decision we make. Lord, let us not rec- lose sight of you and the focus on you, God. Lord, encourage us. Lord, revive us as we, prayed, as we sang this morning. Lord, we can't wait to see what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.